just wanted to say thanks everybody for being flexible. We're trying to find a good way to do this, to gather together um, for those of you who are comfortable and, and still connect with each other um, if you're not comfortable yet through Zoom. So um, as we go through the summer, um, you know, we're gonna do our best to, to stay connected and to keep encouraging each other and, and do all the things. Um, I just wanted to say a couple of things uh, before we get started. Um, there have been some great conversations happening um, around the topic of race uh, within our church, uh, small groups, uh, individuals one-on-one, -on -one, things like that. And, and I just want to encourage those to continue. Um, I just want to, just another real quick confession on my part. Um, if you were to take all the sermons that I've taught in our church, in the history of our church, um, I've said shockingly little in regards to race. Um, our denomination is very, very, very interested and very passionate about racial reconciliation and what it looks like to live um, in solidarity with people who haven't had the same experience that I've had as a, as a white individual. And so, but I failed to teach and I failed to bring that up uh, with you as a church. And so that's just a confession on my part that um, I'm learning, I'm growing. And so this is a season for us to pray. It's a season for us to lament. Uh, continue to learn and listen is really important. Um, so we have provided resources. We have uh, sent out just recently uh, this week, I think it was Thursday in the newsletter, uh, just a list of resources to start with, some books, some articles, even some motion picture films to watch. Um, watch together, uh, uh, enter into the messiness of it um, together as a family, as a community. And, and let's just keep talking about it. A couple things you need to know. One, we're gonna send a link out this week, but there is a 48 hour Zoom Denver citywide prayer event um, happening around the issue of race and how we can come before God and confess and lament and pray uh, for change um, within our relationships. And so that's coming, at, I believe it starts this Thursday. And then the second thing, I also want you to know that, as you know, some of you know that I'm a police chaplain with Arvada, and there have been a ton of conversations with officers who are also really hurting during this time as there's um, so much backlash and um, some vitriol against officers in the wake of all this. Um, and so myself and Corey Garris, the other Arvada police chaplain, we are actually putting on a, a first responder barbecue in July. And so it's gonna be a huge event. Um, we're gonna invite not only police and fire and EMT, but um, you'll get a chance to meet um, officers and, and everybody if you wanna jump in and help make that happen. So my conversations with uh, officers and with uh, sergeants has been, um, they've just been, sad and praying and, and wondering and, 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 and somewhat a little fearful about what their job's going to look like uh, coming up. So you can be praying for, for our first responders, responders as well. So let me pray and we're going to get started. God, thank you so much for just the flexibility of this church. 
as we navigate this season, um, as we desire to get back together and to be in each other's presence. God, we actually come together in your presence today, uh, asking hard questions, wrestling with big issues. Um, and today, God, would you open our hearts up to what it looks like for us to truly worship you? Uh, help us to reflect on our lives and our conduct and our words and uh, give us a better sense of who you are and a better sense of who we are. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So let me read Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So we've been in this series in Ecclesiastes, and we've been wrestling with the idea that so much of what happens under the sun turns out to be like vapor. It, it disappears. It, it's just gone before we know it. And We've been kind of letting this confront us because so much of our life and our activity is about things that don't end up mattering a whole lot. We talked about wisdom. We talked about how in the end, uh, even the wise, if, if you're wise or a fool, in the end, it doesn't matter. Um, and so wisdom ends up being something that many of us pursue but it has no ultimate bearing on our satisfaction. Same with pleasure. We talked about pleasure last week and actually just accumulating and pursuing anything that makes us feel good. The teacher in Ecclesiastes says, that's not going to do it either. Today we're going to talk about something you're not supposed to talk about at uh, Thanksgiving, and that's religion. And <laughs> the author here, the, the teacher, is talking about how uh, religion for many uh, of us, we we use it as a way to feel satisfied and to feel uh, meaningful, but in the end, all our words and our actions and our vows end up being meaningless. Now, here's the thing. Everybody has a religious tendency because we we're created to worship. Like that is um, at the core of who we are. We're created to worship. And scripture says that undivided worship is actually something that God is looking for, that God is searching for all over the world. He's looking for undivided worship in the world. And so there's this story of the Israelites camped right outside of the promised land. 
And Moses gives them like this final teaching, this final sermon. And part of it goes like this, and this is Deuteronomy 6. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when, the, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and of your gates. Uh, and this is Moses uh, impressing on the people of Israel about who God is and how to remember it because we're so easy to forget, to talk about it all the time, to talk about it with your children everywhere you go, whether you're sitting or lying down or, or whether you're walking or they're eating, doesn't matter, talk about it all the time. And the, the idea behind this is that God is undivided that God is undivided in who he is and, and how he is um, in relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he's looking for worshipers who are undivided, who are not divided in their loyalties, right? And worship is a tricky thing because for many of us, we seem to think it, it, it's limited to singing on Sundays. And, and I don't know if you've noticed, but it's just been hard for some to engage in the singing piece during this um, in-between time. But that's not the worship that we're talking about here. That is a form of worship. Um, but what we're talking about here is this idea of, of undivided um, worship of God. And this has to do with our whole lives. So we all have family and friends and health and and we have finances on our minds and all those kinds of things. And the observation is the people pursuing all this other stuff under the sun, okay, is actually uh, dividing our worship, dividing our worship between that stuff and God. And so religion is, what the, what the writer here is saying is this, this idea of religion can be positive or negative. And when it's negative, it can be really dangerous and it can be profane. Um, and, and what the writer's saying is there is a God. The question is, how should this God be approached? And so he's referring to temple worship. And the idea of temple worship is in the temple, there was the Holy of Holies, this very holy part of the temple that only the priest was allowed to go into once a year on the day of atonement and then there were other layers and you know of the temple depending on your access whether you were a priest whether you know all these different things so this idea of a temple is on the mind of the writer of this text and the posture is going to the temple should cause us to be undivided in our worship and he lists three things that are kind of jacked up when it comes to our worship. The first one is our careless conduct. He actually says in verse one, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. So he's, he's actually referring to our behavior, what our life looks like, what our actions speak. And he's, he's warning against going through religious motions. 
he's warning against that because he says a sacrifice of fools is someone who does not care about their conduct and shows up no matter what to do religious things. So the idea behind that is do whatever you want. He's talking about uh, the fool does whatever they want, regardless of, of coming to church on Sunday or, 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 or listening to worship music or whatever it is. And he says, he says, see the religious deeds. Uh, it's this idea that the religious deeds cancels out all the other behavior. And the writer is just saying, that's just not how it works. Um, guard your steps is what he says. And then he says, guard your hearts. And the, and the first thing he says after that is, listen. Like, you are doing all this stuff. You are toiling. You are searching for wisdom. You are seeking pleasure. You are doing all this stuff. He's just like, stop and listen. And that's what the writer's really getting at, to draw near to God. That kind of worship is about listening, staying quiet. And, and the first part of that Deuteronomy sermon from, from uh, Moses is hear. He says, I want you to listen. Hear, O Israel. Like, hear, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Before anything else, I want you to listen. The second thing, so we have careless conduct, and the, the second thing is our careless prayers. Like we're, we're so quick to pray stuff and just say stuff. The writer calls it rash words. Um, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that just you can't get a word in edgewise. Like you have a conversation and they, and they kind of cut you off and then tell you everything they know about that subject. And it becomes kind of like frustrating and defeating and Matthew uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 6 he says and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly I tell you they have received their reward in full so Jesus is even bringing this up this idea of just praying to to show how religious you are um, and to hear yourself um, it's this idea of don't be too quick just to tell God what you think he wants to hear um, is the, the author's um, kind of focus there. And the third one is this, is careless excuses. The writer here is talking about making vows and not following through. And he says that when you make a vow to God, fulfill it. And the interesting thing for many of us is um, I think in, in, in our lives, we've all made vows. We've all had these passionate worship experiences or these, these moments that we've, we've kind of said, okay, here's what I'm going to do and here's what I'm not going to do. And, and then we, we lose heart. We lose focus. And we wonder why, in the end, we get discouraged. And we actually wonder why many people actually watch our lives and then they get discouraged. I think most of us really want to avoid religious hypocrisy. I think, I think really if we were to poll each other, we're like, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to dip our toes into that. We don't want to, no one wakes up one day and goes, man, I just want to be a religious hypocrite today. No one wants to do that. But we do that. We end up doing those things because Either we have a wrong view of God 
or we have a wrong view of ourselves and or or both um sometimes we forget who god actually is sometimes some of us wrestle with this idea of like an a distant and indifferent god like god is kind of far away he doesn't really care or maybe god is benevolent he's he's a good god but he's naive and easily manipulated and so he's just like this uh just very loving grandfather figure that doesn't see any of the bad stuff you do and, and he's always there to give you something um some of you see god some of us see god as a negotiator it's like we can negotiate with god and and some of this trickles into kind of this idea of moralism like if I don't do these bad things, and if I do these good things, then I can kind of work, work some stuff out of God, uh, work out a better family life or a better career. And we fall into these things all the time. We fall into a wrong view of God all the time. Matthew 5 says, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So some of us, uh, we've kind of got this idea that we negotiate with God because that's a very American thing to do, um, supply and demand, right? And we have this idea that God can be uh, negotiated with. And really, at the end of the day, when I give my heart to God and I and I accept Jesus into my life. Many of us kind of, if we're honest, we're actually feel like God's getting a pretty good deal out of this. Like God's getting my life. Um, and, you know, I mean, I could go for God, like doing some really good things in mine. And so, and, and the other part of this is like, we've kind of oversold this whole, let me back up. Like when you're a youth pastor 10, 15 years ago, which I was, um, there was this huge movement around purity rings. And um, I heard some, some giggles over here. Um, purity rings were, um, you get all these just hormone-infused high school kids into a stadium, and um, someone gives them some really impassioned speeches about sexual purity. All good. That's all, <laughs> it's all good stuff. I'm not making fun of that. Um, and, and these kids make vows and commitments. And one of the vows and commitments they make is they, they get a purity ring and they put on a purity ring. And, and there's this weird negotiative property to this. Um, meaning, you know, if I give my life, if I give God my purity for the next two to five years tops, because I feel like I'm going to get married soon, right? Or I'm going to find them person of my dreams then what god's going to give me in the future is a great marriage kids and a wonderful family life and then when that doesn't happen right like that version of who god is starts to just erode because god is not a god to be negotiated with now is it good to stay sexually pure yes but is it good to stay sexually pure so that god will give you other things no, that's not the point. That's not true worship. That's divided worship. And so to secure something from God in advance is, is never a good, uh, another good, you know, strategy. So for those of you who think that, uh, man, I just need another, 
another Christian book or another Bible study um, to kind of get me through. Um, I just need to learn more about God. What God really wants from you is your undivided worship. That means your, your life, like how you live your life. Not just Sundays, not just a Tuesday morning Bible study. Not, no, but your whole life. And so this is the point of all of this. Isaiah 29 says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. So the reality is, is you and I need a reorientation. We need to reorient our lives around a proper view of God and a proper view of ourselves. A proper view of God out of Ecclesiastes is this idea that God is in heaven. We are on earth. We are under the sun. So that's not a geographic thing necessarily, but a theological thing. That God is wholly other. That God is actually is, is separate from us. And this idea of drawing near to listen is, is, is tantamount to us worshiping God. Because God is not... Um, easily it god is god is totally different so this informs us of the fact that god has spoken in time and in history and in the in the teachings death burial resurrection of jesus and he's asking us to listen just listen and to seek him and the other thing is a proper view of ourselves is this is the last verse of the passage we read in ecclesiastes it says for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. The idea behind this is that you and me dream dreams and we talk a lot of words and we just toil and we do life. And he says, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. God is the one you must fear. That's the, the listening part. That is the seeking part. And so this idea about fearing God, I know it's a tricky one. Um, again, this is all temple language stuff, but, um, in the gospels, it says when, when, when Jesus ended up succumbing to the cross, the temple curtain was torn in two. And that's a beautiful imagery for the fact that now the Holy of Holies and the common world are, are not distinct anymore. That this idea that God's holiness and God's presence is now available to us and the scriptures call us temples the scriptures call us followers of jesus actual temples that god actually dwells within us and 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 the holy spirit then spills out in us and through us and it's a beautiful picture and so at the end of the day the writer of ecclesiastes is talking about our conduct and he's talking about our prayer our words and then he's talking about our excuses and so for me, personally, I've been reflecting on that this week. I've been reading out of Hebrews 10. Um, I would encourage you, maybe if you're in your small group, you can read uh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. But it's, it goes like this. Either I, I know religious drift is happening in my life, and I, and I know it. That would mean I'm a hypocrite. Or I don't know what's happening in my life and I'm an idiot, or what's probably a little bit more true about me is I'm a hypocrite, 
hippo idiot. Like, like I'm like a hypocrite and an idiot <laughs> mixed together in my religious worship, in my, in, my, in my seeking of God in my life. There's a great quote by a guy named David Gibson, and then we'll finish up. The preacher looks us in, a, in the eye, and this is the writer of Ecclesiastes, and he says, watch out, be careful. You need to know that approaching God can be dangerous if you're approaching him thinking he couldn't care less what is really happening in your heart. Now, here's the good news. The good news is grace. Grace, it, it shatters the pretension like uh, that you have to have everything put together and you have to sound religious and you have to be religious and you, it, grace shatters pretension and it also shatters apprehension. Meaning if you're fearful about coming to God because of your life and where it's at right now, grace shatters that as well. And so no matter where you are on this, God wants to shatter the pretension in your life. Like if you're very religious, if you're really excited about who you are and what you've done and what you haven't done, God wants to shatter that with his grace. And at the same time, God wants to invite you in to draw in to him um, and not be, be apprehensive about it. So let me pray for us this morning and we'll head into kind of some more discussion. God, we're grateful for this challenge from Ecclesiastes. God, we're just asking that you would highlight those places in our lives that are not right. Maybe it's that we have a improper view of you. Maybe it's that we have an improper view of ourselves. Maybe it's both. Maybe you want to do something in our lives to, to show us where our worship is divided. Divided between stuff that doesn't last, toil, meaninglessness, and towards you. And so God, give us grace as we confront those places in our lives that are hyper-religious, and God, give us grace as we wrestle with what it looks like to approach your throne, fully free to be in relationship with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.